Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ones Ready Podcast. You're in the team room with Trent and I, and I, I'm in a good mood, but I figured we'd talk about something that gets us gets Trent and I a little spicy. Uh, I'm sure if Aaron was here, he would join in happily, join in on it. But we we wanted to give you some perspective and also provide some information. So um, we, we actually had to kind of cut, Trent and I had to cut our... our <laughs> our conversation a little short because we started getting into it before even hitting record. So um, this, this at least initial topic, what I want to hit Trent is, is kind of um, almost a message to, to cross trainees, give some examples of for, for those new recruits that are sitting here going like, okay, well I'll come in and I'll do a different job first. Uh, and then I'll cross train, um, which is a bad plan going in unless of course, there's some caveats to that, which, which we'll hit, but this is kind of more of straight to a cross training. So let me try and paint the picture of a situation that I, not that I have, but that somebody that has contacted me. And um, so, Hey, I'm sure this dude's watching, listening like, yeah, this is kind of a shot at you, but you're not the only one. So don't feel bad about it. So yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, ping me. You've already you've already been in my DMs and my emails too, so it's fine. Um, okay, so here's the here's the picture painted. You want to cross train. You're you're in. Uh, I don't know. It could be any job in, within the Air Force, but you want to cross train into aspect war. You have to still get. You didn't have to in the past, but now, as of now, you still have to get approval from your chain of command, your commander. Your commander, and correct me if I'm wrong, Trent, because you're more in this world than I am. But like, the commander is the the kind of final authority to allow you to even try it. Correct? Your commander and your uh, like functional manager, like your CFM. Okay, so release you from the career field. So basically, those two approving signatures are the ones that allow you to then go to the pipeline to try right. out. Yeah, they they you can't. They tell you you can put your paperwork in to apply, and then you get to our functional managers, you know, after you get through all the other nonsense. I really don't want to talk about it too much because I'm already all fired up, and I'll start saying No, 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 no. that's fine, that's fine. Um, Okay, so, again, like I I said, it it didn't used to be that way. It used to be you didn't have to get an approval for a commander. You could just, as long as you got the, the CFM or the AETC functional approval, you could do it. So... What does that mean, though, now? That means that your commander has direct oversight on whether or not you can do this. So as a cross trainee, you've got to be able to train your ass off to get ready for the IFT in the pipeline because it's it's more than just the IFT. The IFT is the pay to play. It's the entry level exam. You know, you've got a lot more you got to be able to do. So. You're training for the IFT, you're training for the pipeline. Maybe you're working with other folks to help you, you know, develop your physicality, your mental toughness, whatever it is. But you still have a day job. You still have a job that you have to do day to day. Whether you're an airman, you're an NCO, you still have, you know, whether it's a, a seven to four or a nine to five, whatever you want to call it, or if, or if you're, you know, maintenance or security forces, you're working 12 hour shifts. Right. So after that 12 hour shift, you still have to train and work out during that 12 hour shift. You still have to be all in and what your, you know, what your day to day job is. And if you're an NCO, that means leading and caring for people that, you know, work with you. Yeah. I don't know how many times we've said it. Like, don't don't come to us and be like, oh, as soon as. I get to special warfare. I will find my, my excellence gene, you know, like I will flip the switch. I will discover all this newfound pieces of me that make me want to show up every day and do all the hard work. Like, I I think there's a a misunderstanding on, on a lot of their parts about how exciting or how the job works every day. Cause our, our day to day until you get out in the field doing stuff, it probably looks a lot like what you're doing right now. It's a lot of, you know, paperwork, taking care of your people, logistics, all that other stuff. So 
it's just hard to believe that someone could just like flip that switch once they once they get over. Yeah, and you talk about the admin stuff, especially around enlisted performance report season or uh, quarterly or annual award season. Like uh, just yeah. those in the Air Force's eyes, right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm not. This is not me advocating for awards or anything like that. And for folks out there, there's a difference between you know medals and awards, like a. It, well, I definitely don't want to get to that. But <laughs> God, <laughs> but you know that is a awards help people get promoted within the Air Force. Somewhat, not a, not always a guarantee. Ish, like there's an aspect of that. There is a percentage of it, and it's a small percentage. But all things being equal, maybe an award will help boost that person. Anyway, wow. Um, well, well, the the award tells. <laughs> The award tells the people doing the, the uh, promotions how much you're valued by your unit, right? Right. And then much the same way as you need your commander's stamp of approval to retrain, like, do I think that your commander knows everything about you and, and, and is maybe the best person to judge you? No, but, like, your commander's talking to your chief, who's talking to your first sergeant, who's talking to your supervisor. In a, in a perfect world, I'm not saying things don't go sideways sometimes. And I hate when, I, when we start recording, I start, like, thinking about both sides of it. And I'm like, well, I mean, what if the commander's, like, a real real a-hole or something which happens yeah but for the most part if you're not getting a commander's recommendation for this um and your career field is not like super hard up for manpower i mean that that's what we know i don't know i don't know these people that are sending up the the paperwork and i have to tell them like this isn't personal but like based on what i see in the paperwork your your numbers your lack of your commander's endorsement or whatever else there is either you're not getting to the, you know my desk or i'm going to say no yeah. And it's, it's going to be frustrating. It's frustrating for us because we need people. It's frustrating for the member because they obviously want to pursue something different and they, you know, maybe they have aspirations of doing this or this is their dream job or whatever it is. But all that to say, like all of that, what we're talking about to say, all that training that you do, all that extra work you put in, does not mean that you can neglect your your day-to-day job, right? So when you submit a package and, it, you know, it has your your surf, which is your basically your career data brief, everything about you on one sheet of paper, all your assignments, your education, your rank, your prior, um, at least the prior, the final score on your uh, performance reports and all that kind of stuff, then you submit, you know, your prior performance reports and your air force PT scores and all that kind of stuff. Like all that goes to your commander and it gets denied. Right. So you send that to me, which is fine because I like, I'll take a look at it. I, I will help out as much as I can. Just, just like we do this podcast. We're, we're here to help. We're here to help the community. We're here to help you. I, like I'll look at it. Okay. I really will. Um, but when you, you admit to me that, Hey, I, I kind of, maybe not willingly, but yeah, it was willingly neglected my day-to-day job as an NCO or an airman to train my ass off. Like, man, you got to be the whole package, right? And, and even in the performance reports, there were downgrades, you know, on the, on the front side, there were downgrades and I'm like, Oh no, man. Like, okay. So let me ask you then, since you see these, if, if there is somebody that gets commander's approval and their EPR shows up to you or good or, or whoever, and yeah. it has downgrades on the front, like, is that a immediate showstopper or are you just kind of like, okay, well. No, if they got all the approvals, then I'll probably call them about it. And I want to look at their other EPRs too. So if, if you're like across the board, marked all the way to the right, you know, outstanding like you don't have to get like a, a the, the push statements and all that other stuff um but and then there's one year and maybe it's the last year that you got marked down um i'm gonna have questions i'm gonna want to talk to you about it uh, but like the, the there's weird things so like the epr system is so person based um so like especially when we had like the one through five epr system like if, if, if i would have gotten paperwork and someone was marked as fours for like three years in a row under a certain commander on a certain under a certain command team, technically that person is above average, but 
compared to the rest of the Air Force, who marks almost everybody firewall fives mm-hmm. all the way to the right, all the way down, um, it, it looks bad. But the Air Force was always trying to get everybody to understand that three was average, four was above average, and five was like exceptional, right? And so, like, you have to play those things. You know, you have to take those things into consideration uh, as as we go through these like um, phases of commanders and people trying to like do things the, the quote unquote right way. Um, and, and and so it's it's not always that big of a deal. And it's just like when you look at like a one twenty five alpha, right, from a kid that got eliminated years ago from the pipeline, and it's like, well, what happened? It's like, oh, well, I had like some discipline issues or. Or, or this, that, or the other. And it's not that big of a deal. Like, I'm like, okay, it's not that big of a deal. But, um, if you're failing to get your commander's recommendation out the door, though, uh, cause I, I ran into a similar problem a little bit ago where someone actually got their paperwork to me. It, it's a long story, but long story short, I ended up talking to their commander and their first sergeant. And they were like, well, we wouldn't have recommended this guy to begin with. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Like, and, and it's not, it's like, I have a certain amount of sympathy for the, 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 the person trying to retrain. But like I said, like, I don't, I don't know you. Like I, I get your EPR. I get to talk to your commanders. They have a lot more years than, than you do. Like they're the ones with the authority. And I, I get that you want to do this, but like, I, I only have so much data. I only have so many resources to use up. I don't have so many retraining slots and I, I you know, it is what it is. But you kind of alluded to it right there as a cross trainee, your, your life is not, um, it's not solely on you or your future rather is not solely on you. It's mostly on you, but you know, you still have to get your command team to approve it. You still got to get your functional to approve it and, and so on. Whereas if you come in straight, like, and I, this is mainly to the people going, I'll just go do something else and then I'll cross trade. Like it is never a guarantee. Never, because now you're relying on other people to say yes to your your path. Whereas if you just come in and you just go ham at it, then you have a much better chance. At least you don't have at least maybe not chance wise, but at least you don't have those other factors that could preclude you from trying out. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I totally get someone that's like joining because of a, a medical thing. Like we, we've been talking about like the eyes, right? Man, like if you join because you can't afford the eye surgery uh, to get your eyes corrected, to get into special warfare. So you join the Air Force and the Air Force is really good about it. You just, you know, get your five level or whatever you got to do. You're, you're in a regular job and get your eye surgery, recover from that and then retrain. Yep. Like that makes a certain amount of sense to me. Um, but, you know, like the, the, there's 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 pros and cons. Like if you come in off the street, like you're not you're going to have to deal with like understanding how the Air Force does things and how the military does things. You know, and that's that kind of stress and, and getting through that first and, and getting yelled at for the first time in your life, maybe. Um, and, and then coming in as a little bit older, mature NCO, expectations are a little bit higher, but you do have to rely on a lot more people um, just to get in the front door. And, and it's a little bit different. So, um, you know, there, there's risk on, on both sides, I think. But the recommended, the ones ready recommended way is to come in non-prior service and, and give, the, give the old college try. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously not a, a, a one or a blanket statement. You know, there's, we've, we've talked to people before that are, you know, in a bad situation at home. We've even talked to some homeless, some homeless folks that just needed, like, I need something. So, you know, they couldn't wait, you know, Hey, it was a nine month wait to come in, in development and stuff like that. Or I could just go in pretty, pretty soon, get a job, get a, a place to live and get a paycheck and yeah. food coming in and then I'll cross train. Like all those make sense. You know, there, there's an, an unlimited amount of situations that make sense on you coming in just immediately and then cross training. So we're yeah. not saying don't do that. We're just saying like all yeah. things being equal and everything's right. Don't plan to cross train if you don't have to. I remember it's funny because the, the things you remember, like when we were early on doing the podcast, I remember we were talking about this and I think you or Aaron was like, Trent, like, what would you do? And I was like, man, like, and I'm thinking to myself as like an 18 year old kid. I'm like, I probably would have joined the air force first and retrained like that probably would have been my, my best chance for success. I remember you looked at me and you're like, why? That was like one of our first, like on air, almost disagreements. And I was like, I don't, you know, like, I just don't think that at 18, I was, you know, like, but it was like, so we've been talking about this stuff for a long time, but you know, I, I, I think, we, you know, we, we, we found some nuance in it, but I think going in off the street 
you know, like, why wouldn't you? Because then you you still have the opportunity to retrain later, yeah. right? So at least you get the double shot at it. Yeah, exactly. So to, to wrap up the situation that I that I'm currently dealing with with somebody um, and try, and trying to help them out, like they they want me to to reach out to the commander and stuff like that, but I still need to have a conversation with him after looking at his uh, you know his package and everything like that. But you know we'll see. I don't, I don't want to say what we're going to talk about on here until I actually talk to him. But um, you you had mentioned that you had a very similar, well, not a similar, but a adjacent uh, situation that just happened. Yeah. Well, I just want to say with yours too. If if that member if if he's trying to become like a combat controller, and he wants to reach out to to uh, you know Chief Goop and uh, and and be like, hey, can you like talk to my commander? And that that way everybody can understand what the situation is, right? Because if if it is a career field thing, you know then there's not much we can do about it. Or we can try to go to bat and, and, and help them out if they have good numbers and all that other kind of stuff. But um, if your commander's just like, no, this dude's not not the right person, it's going to be real hard. Yeah. You know, because then they're doing us a favor by not flipping the booger. You know, like like I said, I don't know this guy, but like that's how we have to approach the situation. Yeah. Uh, with the other situation, it was different because the, the, the person... I'm, I'm trying to think of how much I should say about this. Cause I really don't want to burn that. Like, I think this person is like a, a, a decent person is just a bad situation. This, it, this person ended up going back to their, their base. Like they ended up in the pipeline and then they didn't make it. They failed something or got injured and had to go back. And so when they do that, they have to go back through the functionals to get uh, put back into the pipeline. Cause they go back to their home station and all that other stuff. And anyway, a lot of drama happened. And then I ended up talking to the commander and the first sergeant and uh, and stuff like that. And they were like, no, like we we never would have recommended this guy. Like, you know, and there, there's a whole lot of story about it. And I'm not trying to burn anybody down. Um, but it's just the, I think the moral of the story is like, I don't know you, y'all. So like the people that are close to you, the people in your sphere of influence, your job, the people that get to judge you first to, to decide whether or not you are are, are ready and capable and willing to come over to special warfare and be successful. And it's not like the, your commanders don't have any idea of what that means. Uh, you know, and your chiefs and all those other people that have been around the block a few times, they're the first look that you get. So that is the first part of your selection process is being good at where you're at. And for the most part, like what we, we get glowing recommendations from commanders and chiefs. Like they're like, dude, I do not want to lose this person, but like I can't hold them back because they're just so awesome. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm looking for. So, yeah, yeah. I, so I, there's another situation or another <laughs> scenario <laughs> where oftentimes, and and this has happened, this has happened within the last six months, at least for me. And I know that it's probably happened to you and Aaron, is where we get asked to vouch for somebody, right? So there's a couple different ways that we vouch for somebody. One is a letter of recommendation that could go in your package. You know, you get a letter of recommendation from somebody who is a current combat controller, PJ, SR, TACP, like that holds some weight to it. Yeah. Right. If I know you and, and you meet the, the requirements or the requirements, the, uh, I think you meet the threshold to, give you a letter of recommendation, I will. If I don't know you, don't, I'm not giving you a letter of recommendation because I'm putting, excuse me, I'm putting my name on that to which when I do an IFT, if I, if I sign an IFT for you because I administer an IFT for you, I'm saying that I witnessed you pass that IFT. It's another way of me vouching for you as well, right? Yep. Because the package then goes, you know, to you or to or to one of the other functionals, and and then it stays with that that person. And uh, so, if you expect us to do that, and we and we actually do it, right? We give you the IFT, we give you a lever recommendation, whatever, and then you show up, and and it's not just that; like your functional approves you, your commander approves you. Yep there's a lot of expectations involved in here. Like we're already spending air force taxpayer dollars to get you out there. 
and then you quit day one. Like, man. And I'm saying that because that just happened. That just happened. You quit day one. And I know you're watching. Don't do it. It, (laughs) It's hard to... (laughs) Like, you put your... uh, You know, like, and it's hard to explain to some people sometimes, but, like, your reputation in the community does mean something. And, like, a letter of recommendation is great, but especially, like you said, if, if, you know, somebody that I know from the community gives these people an, an IFT, like, to me, that means that means something. And especially if their numbers are good. Like this person has yeah. been vetted, uh, you know, by, by one of our guys. And then you, you bring that person in and they quit. You're, you're basically just throwing up the bird at everybody that put their name on your paperwork, you know? So mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a real hard time with that. We try to go down there and, and talk to the, uh, the retrainees when they get to Lackland. Uh, I missed them this time, but I know, uh, uh, some of the other guys made it down there and we try to give them like a little chit chat, um, post IFT, assuming they didn't quit before the, the test even started um, about our, our uh, expectations and, and, and what, and, and what that means. But, you know, like you, you've, you've been working on your reputation in the community for 20 something years. Yeah. It's not like, to be clear, it's not like I'm trying to work on my reputation. It's just, I'm just, I'm just trying to be the best freaking combat controller I could possibly be. That's what I mean. Yeah. Which failing at it constantly. Like personally, I try to psyops my way through everything, and I try to put out as much mi- positive misinformation about myself as possible, so that people will think I'm better than I am. Um, but like, yeah, but like, it, it's one of those things. Like, we don't put our names on very many things that we don't believe in, right? Uh, you know, like uh, I, I think, yeah, it it's hard to explain to the people. I just don't know how to do it. It's like the the closest thing I can come to it is when I first joined the Air Force. I remember putting on my uniform and it's not that I don't care what that it says U S air force on my, on my chest. But the first time I remember looking down and like, it didn't say Trent, it said Segmiller, you know, and never calls you by your last name. And then I was like, Oh, like I don't want to drag my family's name through the mud, yeah. <laughs> but that's what you're doing. If you take all of our names and we put sign all your paperwork and you drag it through the mud and you make us look, cause we get the phone calls. I promise you we do. I get phone calls from people I know being like, Man, why'd you send this dude? Like he didn't make it through day one. Like, yeah, it's it's not it's not a lot of fun. No, it's it's not. And and it's that's like we don't just do that for aspect war. Like I just made a call on Friday because one of my prior resource advisors, she she's and not just I'm sorry, I made two. Uh one for her and then another admin troop. Both of them want to come to Nellis. They've both applied for jobs. I know the chief there that is essentially the hiring authority. So I called them up and let them know, like, hey, here's a little bit about this person just to not to sway the system. But in a way, it's like because when we receive those that list of names that people that apply for the job, it's names. There's not a human factor behind it. So being able to talk to somebody who has firsthand experience with that person you know, like, hey, yeah, maybe you don't want this person or maybe these are some of their strengths and their weaknesses. And maybe that's exactly what that unit needs. Or maybe that this person's just a rock star. And it's like, yeah, listen, I'm telling you, you want this person. Okay, cool. You know, yep. it's the same thing. Uh, Cross training in the special warfare. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's just a little, a little closer to home. You know what I mean? Of course. I mean, yeah. dude. To quit before you even take the IFT when you show up to Lackland, dude, that's when when you have numerous people's names on it. Well, and and maybe we should we should just put it out there, like the the reality of the situation. Again, like I get that you're a, a staff sergeant or a senior airman or, a, or or sometimes even a tech sergeant, and you come over, you will be treated. Like a day one person, which is what you are. And I know it's not just them that have a, a hard time with it. I know some of the NPS folks come over and, and um, they also struggle with, you know, being a nobody, essentially starting from from negative 10. Um, but the, I mean, that's what you're signing up for. You should embrace that. You know what I mean? Like 
go sleep in the dorms with the folks. If you're an NCO, like you should embrace the opportunity to positively affect some of these younger folks that are coming in off the street that just graduated from BMT. Listen to their their silly BMT stories. You know, like share your experiences, help them out. That like that's what you're there for. Not oh, like like this this whole like selfish attitude. Like I, I'm used to like sleeping in a comfortable bed, but like then what did you think you were signing up for? Like <laughs> are, then it makes me question. Are we not putting out the right information on the podcast? Are we telling people that it's going to be easy and that you're always going to have a soft s- space to sleep and like it's not going to require most of your life to be good at this? It's and I'm I'm ranting a little bit and I'm sorry, but like no, no, go. I, 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 I get, love it. it. It's really frustrating when people don't understand what they're getting themselves into. Like it's it's going to suck, but like in the best possible way if you let it. And and as soon as you stop feeling bad for yourself, then you'll find that positivity and that you know, pretty, pretty crappy environment that you find yourself in. I think you nailed it. The, the stop feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. Like you're, you're not a victim. This is, this is not happening to you. You need to happen to it. Okay. So you, instead of sleeping on that Tempur-Pedic, when you're in certain parts of the freaking pipeline, you're sleeping on a cot or you're sleeping on the ground. If you're sleeping on a cot, you're lucky you even got a cot. Yeah. You shouldn't me? Like, Hey, and, and you're in a controlled environment. Right. Like nothing is going to happen to you like that's detrimental, bad safety wise. You're you're in the most controlled safety environment with so many eyes on you. You're going to be just fine. Now, when you're out in the mountains of freaking whatever country and you could get snuck up on or something like that, like, okay, that's that's different. Yeah. You know, most of us sucked the absolute most or were the coldest we ever were actually out <laughs> training or on an operation, not while in the pipeline. No, and, no. And you better get up for it because the pipelines, the is the pipeline is fun. It sucks. But if you embrace it and you happen to it, instead of having a victim mentality, like you're just going to be, you're going to be just fine. Yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity to push yourself, you know, to see what you're actually capable of in a in a controlled environment. Like when you're out there in the the mountains or the deserts or wherever it is that you know you find yourself later on, you need to be capable enough to do things pretty safe, you know, because like you don't want to hurt yourself accidentally and become a liability to your team. But like while you're in that environment, you can get a lot closer to that edge comfortably, and really show the people you know who you are and what you're going to bring to the team. Um. And you don't have to worry about anything else. You really, you don't have to worry. Like you said, like you don't have to worry about someone coming through your tent and just, you know, shooting you or whatever. Yeah. I'm trying to be like overly dramatic about it, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you got anything else on that? Like, do, is there anything else that we need to hit on cross trainees in terms of packages or best practices or do's and don'ts, that kind of I thing? Mean, I, I mean, the, the, the paperwork is the first selection. Don't forget, uh, you're, you're judged on your paperwork. So the first time I, I see your name, all I see is paper. So make sure it looks good. Make sure it makes sense. And then uh, once you get there, you know, um, there, there's, there's people that care about your prior experiences, and those are probably the people that you're with on team. But everything else, just start out at, at day number one and, and be open to learning. Um, and this is like a kind of like a, a different topic. Like I, this like, and I think this happened when I was a senior in CUA and I can't stop talking about people that are like, <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm too old to learn or blah, blah, blah. Like, no, no, no. Like I, I think that's the, the dumbest thing ever. Like if you jump into the pipeline, open it up. Like you should, that you can learn something from everyone. That includes like the, the 18 year old kid that just graduated high school. That's on your team. So having that, that open mindset and, and being ready to, you know, put out is, is important. And, and no one cares about what you did when you were somewhere else. <laughs> That's true. The the paperwork wise, I'm glad you mentioned that because the, that one person I was talking about their paperwork, when they, when they sent me their package, it's got their surf on, on the front, which is normal. That's what it should, should be. Yeah. And the EPRs were, or the enlisted performance reports were scanned back page first than the front page, back page, front page. So it makes it difficult to read. You, and again, it's the first part of the selection. Like 
everything's got to be scanned nice and clean as clean as it can possibly be you know aligned not not canted you're trying and it's not because you know we're real creepy and and we we focus on admin but you are trying to make it as easy as possible for the people that are reading your package you don't want to you don't want any kind of personal bias to go into that and go like dude this person didn't even take the time to make sure that it's it's readable like, cause it's so just smudged or, or the quality of the scan is terrible. But I, I don't well, think that's creepy. Like when, when, if you're looking at a, a, a jam brief for mission planning and like the, the product that you're looking at, it just isn't easy to digest. If yeah. your, your North facing arrow isn't easy to find, you know, like if, if you can tell that they just slapped everything together, like you're, you're going to either, if you're given that briefing, you're going to get a lot more questions. And if you're receiving that briefing, you're going to ask a lot more questions because you're like, oh, yeah. what is, what is going on? But if it looks clean, it's obviously that they put some time into it and they know exactly what's going on and things are labeled the right way. Um, that just, it, it increases the level of confidence that you have in that mission. And same with your paperwork when it, you know, it gets to me for retraining, it increases the level of confidence. So that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, no doubt. Um, okay. Well, before we, we, <laughs> Off one to another subject. Make sure you guys check out eberlystock.com because uh, they've got some phenomenal equipment when it comes to tech apparel and then training rucks. They've got they've got hunting rucks, military rucks, and you can use those for training. They're really comfortable. Uh, you'll see a lot of team guys rolling with them. Um, I know that like Rob just went on a went out on a hunt. Uh, I'm not sure where he was. I think he was actually in Texas, but you know, he sent us a couple selfies. He was wearing Eberly stock. So you could tell he's like, all right, he's, he's going to be just fine. Probably yeah. helping out some big horn sheep or something. I don't know. <laughs> Shoot. I, I think they've got like socks and gloves and everything now. Like they've really, they've really upped their game. So everything yeah. you could possibly need for the outdoor life. Yep. And then uh, make sure you hit him up. Eberlystock.com. Promo code is OR10. OR10 and get you a discount. And then if you are training for the pipeline, whether you're a new recruit or a cross trainee, you can check out attackleet.com and use the promo code ones ready. Uh, instead of going kind of piecemeal and shopping around to Amazon to get all these different fins or, Hey, are these the right fins that I need? Are these the right diameter and texture of rope for tying knots? Uh, no need. You guys can go straight there. You can get a bundle package or you can go buy individual items, but it's funny. It actually is. I mean, I don't even know how to describe that rope, the, the, the rope, the rope, because it's, it's climbing rope, but it's not like, it's not real stiff, static climbing rope. But like it, it is a certain kind of climbing yep. rope that makes it easier to tie knots, especially when wet. So we're not PJs here. Sorry. Yeah. It's rope. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure attack attack lead has a, uh, uh, carabiners and all that kind of stuff for you PJ nerds. But, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, check them out. Attackleet.com. Promo code one's ready. Get you a discount. Well, so check them out on Instagram. You know, like when oh, people yeah. make fun of people asking for like gear recommendations. Hey, what boots should I wear? You know, like that's like the big joke all the time. I mean, maybe hit them up because they, they're deep in the gear game. Yeah, they are. Um, so one of the kind of other things, and, and again, this is, it's, probably second nature to us but you know we get a lot of uh, questions on it and that would be kind of like the assignment process and and assignment cycles and neither one of us are experts on it because there are always things that are kind of little gotchas and surprises and stuff like that but do you I'm, i'm gonna put you on the spot coming once graduating from you know, whether you're combat control school, SR apprentice course, PJ apprentice course, or special tactics training squadron. Like what are, what are people looking at in terms of assignments? Like how does that work? It's, it's math. So, so typically the, the, the only thing where it's not straight math is the, uh, the overseas STSs. Um, we, we don't like to send too many guys straight out of the pipeline overseas just because of the nature of, of, a you know, their their missions and and how dynamic they are and all that other stuff but for the most part it's it's especially if you're like a senior airman uh it's it's where whichever squadron needs the most people at that time um and until you make like tech master sergeant 
it, it really is just straight math. Like, where do people need to go? Um, I need a, I need a staff sergeant over here. I need a staff sergeant over here. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I hate to make it sound like so, you know, non-personal, but that's, that's the way it is. So that's the, that is the assignment, you know, the assignment system as a whole, but there are certain tools that exist to help kind of influence that. It's never a guarantee. You know, you do have, man, I'm losing my voice. You do have dream sheets and stuff like that. You know, so if, if you put on there, Hey, I really want to go to, you know, whatever place, if the math allows it and somebody else wants to go to say North Carolina instead you know, yeah. you can swap or they're going to prioritize you going to whatever location over the other one if the math works out. Yeah. And you, you can go on like a my vector or talent marketplace. And every time there's like a new assignment cycle, you can go in there and volunteer for things. And also you can update your dream sheet and all those other things. So um, like so like if a, if a tech sergeant uh, uh, position comes out. And, and you want to volunteer for it and you're a staff sergeant, you can volunteer for it. We might even, you might get yelled at or whatever, but if there's like zero tech sergeant volunteers um, and there, there is a possibility that we'll pick you up as a high performing staff sergeant and, and put you in, in whatever position that we're advertising for uh, during that cycle. But, you know, so the, there is a little bit of flexibility in there, but like, you know, uh, it, you have a, a, if you don't, if you don't put any effort in, then you will get what you get, you know, like then you're a non-vol hundred percent of the time, and yada, yada, yada. But like with the, the new talent marketplace and newish, and with the, the way that we run our assignments, there is a lot of space to volunteer. And especially with smaller career fields, you know, like I get emails all the time from guys like, hey, I, uh, I'm trying to get to AATC. Like, how, how is that going to happen? And then you have to like break out timelines and, and positions and, and locations and all that other stuff and see um, when they're going to be able to get to where they're going. While also still having that conversation with the, uh, the AFSOC side of the house and understanding what you're doing to the, the, operational squadrons and and what their requirements and needs are as well so it's it's a, like a, a constant balancing act and also math and also prioritization of of uh positions i know i'm, I'm going down the rabbit hole a little bit no you're good uh, it's it's information that needs to be provided and out there um i mean so as say you're you're already on team you know your your staff sergeant tech sergeant whatever you're always you're already on team and so you're if you're at a special tactics squadron, you're, you're under the air force special operations command umbrella. Like that's, that's yep. where you're at, right? That's your major command talent marketplace. There will be, uh, there's certain cycles. I think how many cycles are there a year that you have your overseas and your, your Kona cycles. Okay. So you have, you have different cycles of advertisements that come out on talent marketplace. And each unit, if they have vacancies, will will you know set an advertisement. It'll tell you what the Air Force specialty code is. It'll tell you what the rank requirement is. It'll also tell you if it can go one up or one down. And what that means is, if if the advertisement is for a, we'll just say a staff sergeant, one down means they can be a senior airman or they can be a tech, being the one up, so yeah. they can advertise for it. And then once that advertisement closes out, the list gets sent to AFPC or Air Force Personnel Command Command Center. 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 Air Force Personnel Center. Yeah. And I then they, yeah. they do they do a filter and a scrub just to make sure that there's no kind of gotchas in there. And then the list will come to the unit and then that unit gets to say, you know, yes or no. Most times they're just gonna say yes anyway, because there's almost always vacancies, right? Because <laughs> we're not hundred percent man. Uh, that that changes once you start getting into the senior NCO ranks, you know, mass sergeant, senior mass sergeant chief. That's that's a whole different bucket. Which for now, let's just get into the pipeline and become a, a spec war airman, yeah. and then we can talk about that. But <laughs> well, and, and for the senior NCOs, it's different for every career field. Um, you know, the, mm-hmm. the way that that we try to vector people um, because we're so small is different than combat control a little bit. Like your your vectoring process is a lot more uh, formal than ours just because of the numbers. Yeah. And then like you get to like TAC P and like, man, there are, there are wickets you have to hit on your way. If you want to get to a certain position. Um, yep. And it, so it's very formal just because they have way more numbers. So, uh, you know, uh, it's, it, it, so it's different for every career field and the requirements to get to, to certain positions. 
Yeah. So, so like I was talking about, you, you see an advertisement on talent marketplace. It's for a staff sergeant. You're a staff sergeant, uh, at a special tactics unit and you see an advertisement for somebody, uh, an instructor within air education training command at special at, uh, ANS, right. You can apply for that job, yep. which there's probably a handful of people that have applied for that job and say they have three openings. You might get one of those jobs. Uh, same for overseas. If there's overseas, like the way talent marketplace works is, you know, there's, there's a job listing for your AFSC, but then there's also a map so you can see it. Um, and then sometimes there's just obscure, uh, job opportunities, right? And they're, yeah. they're not necessarily always for the kind of NCO ranks. They are more for senior NCO, but you know, there's all of a sudden, Hey, there's a position at Tampa, you know, in, in Tampa Bay at SOCOM headquarters or Soxent special operations command, uh, central, or maybe there's something in Stuttgart, Germany, or, you know, there's these really kind of cool little position. Yours is one, like your position is one of those that's kind of a obscure, doesn't come open every, cause you're a one deep position. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of interesting, interesting things out there you can get into, but like, that's, that's one of those things is, is finding stuff that the career field values mm-hmm. um, and, and being the right person for the job. So, I mean, look it's at a, TJ, who we just had on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a legislative liaison in D.C. on Capitol Hill. Like, Yeah, because he's TJ, though. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, Yeah. It's one of those things. I, I, and I do, I, before I forget, I'm sorry, there, there's something else that happens. There is a, a VML, a vulnerable movers yeah. list, that comes out. And so this is this process isn't, like, super new, but it is newer. And so if you're on team and you've been like at an STS for a few years and you're not tracking all this stuff, like you might want to go kick in your chief's door and be like, Hey, have you seen this stuff? Because your chief is is a busy person. And this wasn't a thing when he was, you know, coming up through the ranks. Um, So like he might need the reminder sometimes. I'm not saying chiefs need reminders because they're old and they forget. Oh, we a hundred percent need reminders. (laughs) Oh my God. I'll be the first one to tell you. But like maybe just like ask him about it. Hey, like, when does the VML come out, Chief? And he'll be like, "Oh, yeah," and like he can hit up our guy at AFPC, and it's it's a simple process, and then figure out if you're on that list, and that way we can start working, uh, how to keep you where you're at a little bit longer, or how to get you uh, where you want to go. So, um, like every every I don't know six months or so, at least once a year, you need to be interacting with with that system, uh, in a in a in a real way, to to have any effect over you know, your future. Yeah. Uh, I think the VML comes out twice a year. There's a fall and a spring, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, you know, the longer you're on station, the higher up on that VML you are, uh, which means you're higher likely to move. Um, you know, I, the one thing that I, and I haven't heard it directly from, from headquarters, of the air force, or even from air force personnel command, but, or uh, center, but, from what I understand is the Air Force is looking at not moving people as frequently. I, again, this is kind of me just kind of hearing the rumors, but I, I could be putting out misinformation too. Yeah. Um, I know, I know within my career field, we try not to move anybody if we don't have to. And, you know, talking to our, our uh, SW assignments uh, chief over AFPC, like we have a lot of flexibility to not make changes that are unnecessary. You know, it's like, Oh, this dude is like up for an assignment. What's the, what, where can we move him? We can move him over here. And really all we'd be doing is swapping two dudes, one base to another yeah. base. You know what I mean? Like when it comes down to stuff like that, it's like, what do they want to move? And you talk to the members, they don't want to move. And like, so what are we doing here? You know, yeah. like, why are we swapping dudes for no reason? Just cause they've been on station. Um, so we really try not to move people for no reason. And I, in fact, since I've been in the seat, I can't think of a single time I moved someone just just because. There's always like a vacancy that, you know, all the SELs out there are constantly like, they're constantly hitting everybody up, trying to get bodies, you know, fill their vacancies to get their mission done on the ATC and the AFSOC side. So, um, you know, it's interesting. A, a comment I had heard, uh, I don't know if it's on Discord or what, but it's like, 
it was something to the effect of um, if if AFSOC or if special tactics or Air Force Special Warfare is hurting so much on people because we're not 100% man, we're not even close, we always need people. Why are we so selective or why are we not like people that make it through ANS, like that finish ANS, why are they not selected? Because and I thought that was kind of a weird go for it. No, I mean, we, we run into this all the time. Like, oh, if you need people, just like open up the floodgates and let people in. It's like, no, 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 no. Like when we say we need people, what we mean is we just always have more vacant positions for the right people. Not that I need just warm bodies. Yeah. Um, like, the, yeah, this, this goes into like the, the selection process and all this other stuff. And that's a whole other podcast, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's the wrong person can actually create more work yep. and, and uh, more uh, disturbances, if you will, like will take my attention away from what I need to be focused on to now. And now I'm focused on that person because they're the wrong person. So yep. you, you nailed it. Don't just need a warm body. You need the right person with the right mentality, with the right, yeah, the right mentality. Yeah. If, if a team is greater than the sum of its parts, then all of those team members have to be on like the same sheet of music on the same level, moving towards the same objective. When you get that, that person in there that just isn't contributing, then that team becomes even less capable than the individuals on the team. So I know I just to focus on you. Yeah. No, we, we got to focus on that person. Yep. And that's, that's whether it's, it's discipline or now, Hey, if you're on a, you know, a 14, 14 person team, um, now you got people that are focused on other stuff instead of like, now I got to pick up your slack. Now yep. you're just sitting here taking up space. What? Like beat it nerd. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't need you here. Yeah. If, if they're not there, that the exact same amount of work needs to be done. And like, so it doesn't create that, that, um, that, uh, what is, or whatever friction between teammates, because like, if there's six of you and there's eight people's worth of work to do, you're going to get it done. But like, oh, if yeah. there's, if there's 10 of you and there's 10 people's worth of work, but two of those people don't do any work, then like, you're going to spend half of your energy just wanting to, you know, beat the ever living crap out of these guys and go string them up in the, you know, the cage room or whatever. Um, so that kind of that kind of I've got a situation. No, I don't. I don't have a situation out here. But this is just credit to some of the folks that I work with right now. To give an example, right? The Air Force, believe it or not, has a lot of fat. It could trim. Um, so no. when we start talking about distractions or people that are taking up more time. Like I get really frustrated because I just want people to work. Just work. Just do your job, and just. Do the best job that you possibly can. Understand that there's going to be places where you falter, and they're like, "That's fine. Like that's normal." I falter fifty times a day, like that. I could be doing better work. Like I acknowledge that. Um, but just do your work. So, get this. This is how awesome some of the people that I work with are. We have every every six months at the end of uh, the kind of capstone of Wizen or a uh, weapon school is called Wizen. It's a uh, weapon school integration. And so you take this five and a half month course and the last month of it is where everybody comes to Nellis. Every uh, mission design series, every aircraft platform comes to Nellis and we do these full mission profiles. And I'm talking high end, like very, very high end for that entire month. And you're talking about, a lot of assets and very complicated too, you know, with yeah. threats on the ground. And then we bring in, we bring in the Navy and we've got, we've got uh, ships out in the Pacific, like the whole deal, right? How many people do you think plan that? Well, there's always a point of diminishing returns when it comes to planning teams. I don't know. Four. Eight. I was going to say eight. Yeah. Wow. Four people playing that and they're busy, like, right, right. But they're, they're phenomenal human beings. There's, um, three majors and one tech sergeant. Damn. Right. And I'm talking about like landing it, landing at this, uh, 
at different bases, not, not, Hey, going out and flying the mission and then coming back to Nellis. Like they land at five different bases right. kind of thing too. Right. So it's a, it's a major uh, flex. And there's also a, uh, man, I am, I could catch some heat for this, but um, not, not for what I just said, but for the comparison that I'm about to make, uh, there is an exercise that happens a couple times a year. This is a separate, different entity, right? Not, not the web school. There's an exercise that happens several times a year um, that lasts three weeks. So a week shorter, but whatever. Um, uh-huh. And is less involved, but it's, but it's still very, like it's still got a lot of moving parts to it, right? They have a planning cell that is, 76 people. Why? It's a great question. Why? It took four people to plan that every six months. Now, granted, we only do it two a year. They do three or four times a year, right? But it's there is the, the whole point I'm getting at is there is a, you nailed it. There's a point of diminishing returns, right? Having a lot of people can be good. But if you're, again, I've got other people that now I got to focus my attention on them versus focus on planning this event or planning this, this month long exercise, then like, man, you're, you're just, you're taking up my bandwidth Four people, incredible Americans, right? Incredible airmen are, are planning all of this with the Navy and with space force at, at, and 76 struggle with it. I, I just, so all that, all that to say, like, that's why we don't open the doors and open up the floodgates and release and lower standards or anything like that, because we want the right people. I would rather be undermanned and have the right people than manned at a hundred percent and have a bunch of turds around. Me. Yep. Yep. Well, that was well, I mean, a long way to get around to just saying that. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's hard to explain until you've actually been on on team. I think it, it will. If you've ever been on a, a high performing team, regardless, you know, have, like, have um, I or no? Like if, if people oh, out okay. there ever have, like that that's that's what we're looking for. You know, if if you take um like a, a an NHL hockey team and you throw me on that team, you know what I mean? Are they are they like? still as good as they were with I don't know how many people on the ice plus me or are they way worse because I'm skating around and falling all over the place and like getting in their way like I'm getting in their way I'm actively degrading their ability to get the job done because I am a terrible skater like it's, it's the same thing like you're just you you don't need that stuff in your way and that that's that's just the way it is no <laughs> it's the reality of it all right well I'm done ranting I got a little bit. I I wore myself out on that last one to realize I was just talking. Can we talk about, about something that TJ said real quick? Yeah, being the best, man. Or something else. <laughs> no, that that is. I, I I listen to that, and I'm like, I'm not like I know what he's saying is you want to be the best at everything, and that's that's the way he said it. And like when I when I listen to TJ, I talk to TJ like he is that person that legit wants to be the best at every single thing. And I'm like, I just don't think I'm that guy. Like I'm, I'm so like in my head that like, I will strategize about things. Like I want to be the best at something and I definitely don't want to be the last at anything. But like, I, I took a PT test one time with a bunch of young dudes. Right. And I remember being like, what, what can I beat these guys at? Like, you know, like I know these guys, they'd come out of the pipeline. I knew all these dudes. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to beat him at the pull-ups. Like, so, such and such can do like 30-something pull-ups or whatever. You know, like, if I yeah. beat him at sit-ups, nobody cares about sit-ups. And, and push-ups are, are wash. And I think, like, I'm not the fastest guy in the water. But I'm like, I'm going to, like, sandbag a little bit. And I'm going to crush these dudes at the run. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, so, like, I don't know. Like, w- when he says that, be the best at everything, I'm like, well, I want to be the best sometimes. And I definitely don't want to be a liability. But, like, I think just the way I approach things is a little bit different, you know, now I've said it out loud, so you can make fun of me about it. 
I, lo- I look at it as more of a mentality, not like you're obviously not going to be the best at everything, but I think it's, it's that striving to be the best at everything. Like, I think that's what it, what you're getting at because although TJ kind of is the best <laughs> at everything, <laughs> right. You know, and there are those kind of human beings. It's kind of like K dub. Like oh, he's kind so of the best at everything. Yeah. Right. You get what I mean? Like you're going to have those freaks in nature. Um, but I think as long as you are striving to be the best at everything, I want to be the best that I can be in the things that I can make the biggest impact with. You know what I mean? Like my strengths. Yeah. I want to. I want to maximize my strengths to to maximize the team's ability. Um, but like me working on certain things to try to. You know what I mean? Like I, I have to prioritize like what I'm doing. And I, and I know this isn't what TJ meant. I'm not trying to like say like he was wrong. Um, I'm just saying like. I wanted to say for like people out there like me that maybe, you know, filter and analyze things the way that I do and, and spend way too much time overthinking crap in your head. Um, like, I, I don't think that's what he, you know, like that, like you're saying it's mentality, but like, there's nothing wrong with um, prioritizing and maximizing your abilities as opposed to like, I'm not trying to be the best swimmer in the world. Like I need to be yeah. fast. I need to be good. But like, there are other things that I can do when I'm on team that, that make a difference that I'm better at than other people. Yes. Anyway. And, well, like it kind of goes to that. Are, do you, do you focus on your weaker? If you're strong in some areas and you're weak in other areas, do you spend your time getting better at those weaker areas or do you spend time getting phenomenal at the areas that you're already strong in? Like, do you know, do you bring, do you sacrifice this to, to bring this up or do you just say, I'm happy with this being down here. And then I'm going to focus on that. Like, I think there's probably arguments for both. Yeah. Well, and, and in like, in like a PT terms, right? Like if you fail, uh, your are you everything. Yeah. yeah. Like, so like yeah, you have true. to get yeah. to a certain point. Uh, so like, am I trying to do, and you know, like I'm not trying to break the pull up record, but like, I know that like, I can't keep working on my run if I'm going to fail my pull-ups or my push-ups or whatever else, the swim and all that other stuff. So I think, I think there is a balance, but you gotta, you gotta find out, you know, what you're good at, but also, you know, we're, we're, we're masters of nothing for the most part, but yeah, what, whatever your strengths are and whatever gaps you can fill, that's where you really need to like focus most of your energy on while also not being a liability in any uh, single uh, situation. Yeah. Now I, I remember, um, I mean, and I was really young on team. There was a, a Stowe, a special tactics officer that, um, who opted to just kind of live that admin life. Right. I mean, he, he was still in shape and all that kind of stuff, but he just, he was, he always went after more admin type positions, you know? Um, and I, I never understood. And granted, I'm a senior. I mean, I like, whatever, I'm, I'm about that team life, you know? Yep. And, uh, and I never understood it until uh, several years ago. And I realized like he identified his strength. He knew his strength. He knew that he wasn't the best team guy, but he knew where he excelled and he was phenomenal at it. So he capitalized on those strengths by, Hey, I know the way air force money works. I know the way that how to acquisitions and all that other kind of stuff. So he was like, since I know this and I'm good at it, like, that is my contribution to the community is I will sacrifice being a team guy or a leader in a squadron. And I'm going to help the community out by this. And he did, he did a phenomenal job at it. So I think that kind of goes into your point. Like, you know, I don't know. And I'm not saying this is about you, but maybe you were, you know, some, maybe somebody's an average team guy, but they're phenomenal you know, assignment manager or MFM or CFM or something like that, you know, so they may not be helping direct people, but as a, as an umbrella or as a large, uh, they have a larger impact over the community. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I, it, it just stuck with me all week. You know, every time I take a shower, I'm like, mm, what do we mean to be the best at everything? Specifically you know, like- a shower, huh? <laughs> that, that's when all my my brain goes crazy because there's like you know how it goes 
But like, you know, like I'm trying to think of, about like the folks out there, you know, and they're like, well, how do I be the best at everything? And I, I try to look at the comments and a few other things and be like, man, just when you're, when you're first trying to join, you have to meet all of these requirements and you should be exceeding all of these standards. And so like when, when TJ saying be the best at everything, it's like be the best version of you that you can possibly be that brings the maximum amount of goodness to, to your team and to your own life, you know, and to the people around you. So that's just, that's what I, I just wanted to talk about it real quick. See what you thought. That's good. I mean, I think we're in, I think we're in violent agreement. Yeah. I, I just think, yeah, I, I think we, I think we agree. I think so. I mean, he, he left it nebulous. And, and I think TJ, if anything, knows, hey, not everybody's going to be the best at everything. Because if you're the best at something, that means I'm not the best. But we can both bring each other up. It's that whole uh, uh, rising ties raises all ships kind of thing. Like, I I always noticed that whenever I played soccer, whenever we played a, a team that was better than us and we knew that they were better than us, mm-hmm. our, we leveled up as well. Oh, yeah. Because when you surround yourself or you compete with people that are so much better than you typically you will play better you will perform better so if you're trying to be the best now i'm trying to be the best and aaron's trying to be the best like we just we're all leveling up together yep yeah i i think that that competitive spirit is definitely important and everybody you know brings something to the team so yep it is what it is that's it i mean my hair is better than aaron's that's just a fact but so we don't need to compete about that anymore i wish he'd stop wearing that wig that (laughs) thing I mean, whatever, you know, maybe he'll take it off when he retires. Yeah. The fact that he like draws salt and pepper into that too. It's uh, it's really bad. Uh, We'll we'll put it in the shadow box. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Everybody out there, please like, subscribe, leave us comments, leave us some views. Um, Hit us in the DMS. If you have questions and uh, hopefully this helped. Uh, I know we kind of got a little ranty, but you know, some of those things just got to get off the chest. If Aaron was here, we were asking like to talk about something else and rant on something else. So uh, we'll save that for another time. But I don't even have be... to say anything. You get Aaron ranting. I'm just going to sit here. You just sit here. <laughs> just sit there with your hair looking pretty. <laughs> All right, everybody out here. <laughs>